0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International.
1: It really felt like this door has just been slammed in my face. You know what I've discovered? God is in the hallway. So often we just think, when life's going as we hope it will go, that that's God's got his hand on us, and we're blessed, and everything's gone great. When life falls apart, God is there.
0: Spend Wednesdays in the Word with Sheila Walsh, next on Life Today.
1: Hi, I'm Sheila Walsh, welcome to Wednesdays in the Word. You know, I've been so touched by some of the mail that I've received from you recently. Um, some of you saying, you know, I set my DVR or whatever you call them those nowadays and I never miss a show and I really love that. And, and I even got a letter from someone who said that, you know, we watch, we watch it together with all the females in prison in our faith group. And so if you're watching today, I just wanna say, hey sisters, love that you do that. And, and some of you have written and said, you know, I'm, I'm living by myself now. I got a sweet letter the other day from a lady in Canada. She said, I'm 83 years old, young, but I tune in to Wednesdays in the Word and, and I feel as if I learn. I thought, what grace and humility. Um, so just a huge... Thank you. Um, you see me sitting here, but there's a whole crew around and we, we pray for you. And we don't take this lightly that you allow us to come into your homes. Thank you for that. And, and it's my prayer, wherever you're watching this today, that you would be so aware of the love of God, no matter what's going on around you. And it's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about um, how do you handle disappointment. How do you handle those moments when you are on board for something, feeling that something great was gonna happen and suddenly it's as if a door is slammed in your face and you find yourself alone in the hallway? You know, I had a friend who, she struggled with her own self-image. And no matter how many times I would tell her, listen, you are beautiful inside and out. She never quite believed me until a day when she met Mr. Wright, or so she thought, and suddenly having that ring on her left hand changed how she saw herself. It was as if a door had been thrown open to the future and everything about her was through that door. She suddenly believed the things that I've been telling her for years and certainly more than that, believed the things that her fiancé told her. And then one day, not very long before the wedding, he called it off. And wow, I will never forget what that did to my friend. It canceled everything she had believed about herself. I mean, I I saw her almost physically shrinking like a, a flower that had been taken out of water. She felt as if this door had been slammed in her face and she was left in the dark in the hallway. I got a letter from a lady who didn't give me her name or her address so I couldn't respond. And she said, I, I watch your program and if you're watching now, I hope you don't mind me referencing the things you shared with me, but you told me um, that she had tried for years to get pregnant. That was all she wanted. She said, you know, some other friends of mine I went to college with, they had career paths and different things they wanted to do. She said, all I wanted to do was be a mom. And so after she got married, she and her husband tried and tried and tried and nothing happened. And then eventually, because it was everything she felt she was meant to do, they managed to save up enough money to go through an in vitro Um, Process, and I didn't realize it was such an expensive and difficult and painful process. But they were able to go through that and then she discovered, much to her delight, that she was pregnant. And eight weeks, eight weeks into that pregnancy, she lost the baby. And her question to me was, why would a God of love allow that to happen? because that's how she felt. She felt as if suddenly everything she'd longed for, the door had been thrown wide open and now it had been slammed in her face. And that was her question, why Lord? And maybe you're in a situation like that. You know, it seemed like something great was about to happen and door slamming and you're left with, I don't understand. And I think that it's even harder if you're by yourself. You know, if, you, if you're by yourself when something bad happens, you just don't know what to do with it. I personally think one of the hardest things for us to hold together as believers are these two truths. Number one, God is love. Not just that God is loving, but God is the very essence of love. And number two, God is powerful. He is almighty. He spoke our, our planet and all the stars into existence. But sometimes when you place your circumstances in the middle of those two things, you're left with this question. Why would a God of love who is powerful allow bad things to happen when he could have stopped them? I want to share with you um, something from my own story that I don't think I've ever shared before in public. And it happened before I came here to life today. And it was, it was pretty devastating. It felt very much like a door slamming in my face. I had, um, I'd been out grocery shopping and I came home and I turned to put something in the freezer, and in that moment, it suddenly felt like somebody had literally stabbed me in the back. And it caught my breath, and I stopped for a moment to see what was happening, and turned around very gingerly, and um, seemed fine. And I didn't say anything to my husband, Barry, because, well, my son, Kristen, and I, we've, we've nicknamed Barry Eeyore, because he always thinks, you know, the, the worst that could possibly happen. So I thought, I'm sure it's just a kind of, maybe I n- nick to nerve for a moment, but I'm fine now. Well, maybe a few days after that, I was sitting in the car and I went to get out and it was as if my back locked and I couldn't get out and I couldn't move. And I was scared to do anything because I felt as if I was going to do some damage. So I actually lowered myself back into my seat and waited till Barry came home so that he could help me get out of the car. And it really became apparent that no matter what you know, I wanted, it, I was going to have to go see my doctor. So I went to see my doctor and we talked through the whole thing. And he said, yeah, there might be some damage there. But if you like, before I send you to a neurosurgeon, he said, you know, I could send you to a pain specialist. Somebody who could maybe give you some cortisone shots in your back to see if that would reduce, reduce the inflammation and um, maybe aid with the pain. So he sent me to this doctor who was a pain specialist. You know what his name was? Jerry Lewis. I kid you not, Jerry Lewis. What a name. But actually he was fantastic, but the procedure didn't work. And by that point, I mean, he tried one cortisone shot uh, and then he tried another one and it didn't work. And by that point, I was in so much pain and I could hardly walk. I mean, I felt like an old woman and it, it felt to me like an absolute door slamming in my face. Because I looked to the months ahead and I had a full schedule of speaking engagements. And as far as I could see, there's absolutely no way that I could possibly even get to an airport. It was one of those moments when my faith was really shaken, but it was such a good shaking because sometimes when your faith is shaken, It shakes off what you think you believe. You know, because part of my kind of, I guess, subconscious, I didn't even think, you know, my life's always gonna look like this and God's always gonna bless this. And it brought me back to, Lord, what do we know? And it also brought me to a place of being gut level honest with God. Are you able to do that? Like, if you find yourself in a very devastating place, are you able to tell God what you actually feel? Or do you feel you kind of have to edit yourself? I want to remind you what some people in scripture said when they were tremendously in pain. This is the prophet Jeremiah. He was tired of waiting for God to show up. So this is Jeremiah 15 and verse 18. And this is what this godly prophet who once said, you know, your word is like fire burning in my bones. But here's what he said. Why does my suffering continue? Why is my wound so incurable? Your help seems as uncertain as a seasonal brook, like a spring that has gone dry. Yeah, you know, his cry is clear. Enough God, I am worn out. I'm tired of waiting for you to show up and answer this prayer. And Scripture's full of them. Do you remember Job, um, the godliest man who was alive on the planet at that time? And yet this is what he had to say. This is Job chapter three, verses three and four. Let the day of my birth be erased and the night I was conceived. Let that day be turned to darkness. Let it be lost even to God on high and let no light shine on it. I mean, you have to be pretty desperate, not just to say, I wish I'd never been born, but let who I even am be erased from God's memory. And one of the ones that I think is really, speaks to women, perhaps in particular, in the book of Ruth, do you remember we meet this woman named Naomi. Now she lost her husband and then she lost her two sons. And in desperation, she had been living in Moab, but she decides to go back to Bethlehem where her people are. Now, as she's coming back to the village, her friends are kind of looking and thinking, is that Naomi? You know, she doesn't look like herself. Well, here's what she says to them. This is found in Ruth chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, which means bitter, for the Almighty has made my life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord, she's blaming God, when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me. She was absolutely desperate. So as I began to say, honestly, Lord, I don't know what my life's gonna look like here. What if I'm never able to get rid of the pain? What if I have to spend a good part of the rest of my life just in bed? It really felt like this door has just been slammed in my face and I was sitting there alone in the hallway. I discovered that's not true. You know what I've discovered? God is in the hallway. So often we just think when life's going as we hope it will go, that God's got his hand on us and we're blessed and everything's gone great. When life falls apart, God is there. And what I discovered was the more I poured out my heart and said, "What what if I can't walk? What if I never get rid of the pain? What I kept hearing over and over and over again was, I will be there. So my doctor referred me to a neurosurgeon. And I went and met with him and he said, yeah, there's some significant damage. He had a CAT scan and all sorts of flu, you know, kind of something injected into my spine. And he said, I can do surgery, it'll take about seven hours. And so on that morning, when I went to the hospital really early and um, my surgeon came in and he brought in another surgeon and said that there's gonna be two of us because we'll have to go through your back to take one disc out. And we'll have to go through your front to remove the other disc. So this other surgeon will be holding your organs while I go through the front. What do you say to that? Thank you. Please put them back where you found them. I'm making light of it because what I really want you to know is as I was on that bed because of the goodness of God and because of how much of the grace of God you allow in when you get all the stuff that's inside of you out, See, so often we hold on to what we're feeling and it takes up space that grace can be. And as I poured out my heart to God, I was absolutely able, as they wheeled me into surgery, to say, Father, I surrender all. And not just like we say things sometimes, but mean it absolutely to the core of my being. I I love, Second Corinthians is one of my favorite letters that Paul wrote, because he talks about suffering. Let me read this to you. This is um, Second Corinthians chapter four, and I'm reading from seven to 10. Here's what he says. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by trouble, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we are not abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. I don't know what you are facing right now. I don't know what the disappointment might be. Perhaps you're disappointed in in your marriage. Maybe it's not what you hoped it would be. And you just don't know what to do. You feel stuck. You feel like you're in the hallway. And maybe you look at other people and you think, Lord, why is their life working out so well? And mine is the way it is. Maybe it's health issues. I have a very dear friend. Her name is Erin. And she is confined to a wheelchair. And because she has no family where she lives, she's dependent on health workers coming in and helping her. And some days they forget to come and she's left alone. But one of the things Erin and I have both discovered in our different circumstances is that God is the God of the hallway. He is present with us. When life is going as we hoped it would and when it feels as if a door has been slammed in our face. One of the great promises we have from Christ, he said, never will I leave you, never will I abandon you. Even if at the moment you feel that you're in the greatest challenge of your life, maybe you're facing some upcoming health issue and you don't know how things are gonna go, I just want to remind you, you're not alone. You're not alone. Maybe things are not going well in your family. I want you to know if even if you feel like you have been stuck in the hallway, through no choice of your own, God is with you. A dear friend of mine is going through a divorce that she did not want, she did not seek out. And she said, after all these years, I feel like I've just been abandoned. And although I, I understand some of the depth of her pain and her pain is real and she should get to cry that out to God. The other thing that I want to remind her is I would remind you is you are not abandoned. You have never been abandoned. When you have placed your faith in Christ, you are never alone. See, we have our plans. We have the way we think our life should go. But I also just want to remind you this life we live down here, it's just a, it's a moment. There is a day coming when Christ will take us to be with him and all suffering and tears and pain will be gone. And then we'll begin to live our real lives. The door will be <sighs> flung open for eternity and we will walk with him. Until that day, you and I have the incredible privilege of reaching out in the name of Christ to moms who feel as if a door has been closed on their faces and left them alone in the hallway with their children. But you and I can let them know, no, you're not alone. Could you watch this?
0: Water is pure. Water is natural. Water is healthy. Water can help all. These are lines from a poem that few people would ever take exception to. But on a recent mission trip to Africa, in search of stories about villagers and their water sources, Jeannie Rogers shared a different perspective.
2: As beautiful as this setting looks, it's so deceiving because this water is killing the children of this village. Every mother that our team visited in the village of Gawazi and in the surrounding villages told us heart-rending stories of the deaths of their children. And those children died due to waterborne illnesses caused by contaminated water. As a grandmother, I was touched by the story of another grandmother. Her name was Casalita. So how has this water affected your family my heart just broke for Casalita and for all the other mothers who had suffered loss. But I could not leave Casalita without assuring her that there's hope. There's hope for her and for the other villagers. I ask, in agreement with her, Faith, that you change the situation in her family, that you protect the lives of her children and her grandchildren, and all the people of this village. Lord, give them good water, clean water, in Jesus'
1: name, amen. I'm not asking for a lot. You know, there's some situations in life that we face and there's really not much we can do. You know, somebody's given a really harsh um, medical report. And, you know, you'll do what you can to help, but know that the, that the outcome really is in, is in God's hands. But this situation is different. The only reason that that darling grandmother lost that four-year-old granddaughter was simply because there was no clean water to drink. You know, people keep saying to me, Sheila, if you enjoy being a mom, wait till you're a grandmother, they're the best days of your life. They should be the best days of your life. But for so many moms and grandmothers in Africa, they are not. But we have made a commitment here at Life that we are going to change that. See, Jeannie and and I and the the rest of the team, we don't just go to Angola or to Burundi or to all those places and make promises and then come home and forget these women. No, we make commitments because we know, we know that you care. So, What our goal is, is to be able to put 400 wells in more than 15 nations. And here's how you can help, let's break it down, because it's doable. Do you know that if you um, support us with $48, that will give 10 people clean water for their entire life. When we put a well in a village, it lasts for over 70 years. That's a lifetime of someone. So just for $48, you give 10 people water for life. $72 would give clean water for 15 people. 144 gives clean water to 30 people. Can you imagine that? Think of 30 people you know. Realize if you just gave $144, that would give those people clean water, not just clean water, it would give them life. That's why we call it water for life. So please, will you join me? Will you give the best gift you could possibly give? It's a joy, we get to do this. It's not something that God says do this. We get to do this and we get to do it in Jesus' name. So would you go to your phone, Would you go to your phone, would you go, you can go online, but would you call the number on your screen right now and say, yes, I am in. Maybe you want to say, I'm a grandmother. And so I am doing this for another grandmother that I might never meet until we're finally all standing around the throne worshiping Jesus. We're here on the earth at this time for a purpose not just to make our lives feel comfortable, but to reach out in the name of Jesus. So often we think, well, can't the government fix it? No, we're the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We have the privilege of being the ones who say, not on our watch. Please go to your phone, give the best gift possible.
0: Today, a mother living in extreme poverty will do the unthinkable give her children dirty, disease-filled water that she knows could kill them with no other choice. What's a mother to do? With your help, clean water is on the way. Mission Water for Life provides a new beginning for thousands of children and their families, a bright future with better health. With your gift today, you can help drill 400 water wells in remote villages in 15 nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people, A gift of $48 will help provide for 10, $72 will provide for 15 people, and $144 will help provide life-giving water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we'll send you the miracles of Christ, what living beyond impossible looks like. Filled with scriptures, prayers, and stories of Jesus' miraculous power, James Robinson adds insight about how to walk in faith and live beyond the impossible. With your gift of $100 or more, request the morning and evening coffee mug set. Each mug features beautiful artwork and scripture from Psalm 92.2, a wonderful reminder of God's faithfulness each day. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request the beautiful Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online. This
3: is source of water is their only choice and they have to continually give this water to their children every single day and I can't imagine that feeling of giving my child water that I know is literally killing them and making them sick every single day. Um, and the beauty of, of also taking a trip like this is to know that, that there is something that we can do together to change the life for this young mom and 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 her children and hundreds of thousands of mothers and children and fathers and families all over the world. Uh, we can come into these places and, and drill a well and bring them water that is life-giving. So why don't you join with me? Go to the phone or go online and do the best that you can to help us make a difference in the lives of hundreds of thousands of people.
1: Thank you so much. If the lines are busy, please, please persevere, push through here and and keep calling until you get through. I mean, any minute now, and we're out of here, we're home with Jesus. I want to know that while I was on this earth, I fulfilled the command of Christ. He said, when you give a cup of water, In my name, you give it to me. What a joy. Thank you so much for your support. We'll see you next time on Wednesdays in the Word.
0: of drunkenness led to dangerous and even life-threatening situations until Eric Morgan had an encounter with Jesus. Tomorrow on Life Today. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.